Hi, and you're very welcome back to the Final Whistle League of Ireland podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm Breffney Early, and once again this week, I am joined by former Sligo Rovers, Galway United and Dundalk FC player, Alan Keane. Alan, you're very welcome back to the show. Cheers, Breffney. Now, we have an absolute humdinger of a show this week. We've got two guests that just two years ago stood in opposite dugouts against each other in a top-of-the-table clash between Dundalk and Cork City. They are the two Johns, John Gill and John Caulfield, neither of them with those clubs at the moment. We're going to be hearing from both men about what they're up to at the moment. John Gill, obviously, enjoying his semi-retirement from the game uh, in terms of his... uh, time away from the game since his departure from Dundalk six months ago, uh, while also we'll be joined by John Caulfield, who's talking about his renaissance in the first division with Galway United. Alan, we've recorded both the interviews already, so we know what's coming, but um, some pretty interesting conversations with the two men and some really good insight maybe into the league and the clubs within the league as well, from their experience? Yeah, like you're talking, the two lads, the amount of experience they have between them from managing, they've, they've been managing for years upon years, and and it's great getting the insight into the management side. I know we do have players on and it's it's easy as a player. You know, you just go turn up and you do that. But, the, you know, they're giving us the insights of the runnings of clubs and how clubs are run and the pressures of being a manager. Like, you think everyone thinks a manager is just, oh, you know, get a piece of a paper, let's pick the team or let's go out and do coaching. But there's so much others, uh, uh, you know, so much to, more to it. Like, you're, you're talking... You know, you have to deal with directors, you have to deal with boards, you know, and everything. And the pressures of, you know, as we as we, we, we we'll hear in the interviews, uh, you know, two or three games of a defeat, you could be gone. So that's the, the life of a manager. And who would want to be a manager? Yeah, budget, social media, even the press all come into the conversation over the next hour or so. But first, before we get chatting to the two Johns, let's maybe have a little look back at the weekend's action. Um, one of the big talking points, I suppose, was the postponement of the game in the first division between Cabin Teeley and Goal. We'll talk to John Caulfield a bit about that later on, but your own thoughts on that. Obviously, COVID is the reason for that. There's an outbreak within the camp in Cabin Teeley. No specifics in terms of numbers, but uh, enough to maybe not be able to feel a team on Friday evening for them. Is that a bit of a worry for the league going forward? It is. And it, it's kind of, it was a strange one. They were in Dublin. So how, whether they, they got the test laid, we don't know the ins and outs of it, obviously. But clubs are struggling as it is, having to put two buses on the games, bringing, you know, so they had two bus loads from Galway. I just like to know who covers the cost there or what happens. You know, is it the team that's, why should the team that, has been maybe you know lucky enough not to have co- co- got any COVID, travel to Dublin, and then the team that's now has COVID, you know, they're the home team. So I don't I don't know going forward the league. Thankful thankfully it's been good so far. We're what now four games in the Premier and three in the First Division. That's the first first um, outbreak. But as you said, is this going to be uh, an issue going forward? It'd be interesting to see if one of the top teams in the in the Premier Division. Um, had an outbreak you know you have to have 14 players so it would be very very interesting uh, to see would they miss how many games would they miss or or what would happen so yeah and I think the important thing that I would be taking from the whole experience is I think from a financial point of view it's quite clear Galway are going to have to just stomach that unfortunately I don't think there's going to be any payback for that from the FAI or or any other source whether it's Cabin Teeley you might be alluding to I don't think that's going to happen but I think re- 
the most important thing now is what happens to the game is that rescheduled is it awarded to Galway as a as a forfeit to cabin tv as they were told would be the case and how important would that be if that were to happen uh, between two sides that potentially could be looking for a playoff spot or a promotion spot at the end of the season and is that a, a fairly big decision to be made early in the season off the pitch more on that and on with John Caulfield. But let's maybe run through the Premier Division results of the weekend. We start on Friday night, two games on the on the television. Not quite. Watch LOI. It's the nearest thing we're getting at the moment. Uh, St. Pat's and Derry. Uh, that game in Richmond Park, a, a pretty good victory for St. Pat's, while Bohemians uh, had a Georgie Kelly penalty to thank for their victory over Dundalk. Um, it hasn't really been going Dundalk's way over the last couple of weeks. Your thoughts on those two games? Do you get to watch either of them? On yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, I watched the Pats and, uh, and Derry game, and to be, to be fair, it was a decent game. Um, you know, Pats, again, as as we spoke to Stephen O'Donnell on the show before, they're passing the ball really, really, really well, and they played some very good football. Derry, I thought, done, done well. Uh, I thought for a team, like, I hadn't really seen them, and I said, no, they're all right, they were organised. And then it was just silliness that cost them two yellow cards. And, you know, there was only going to be one winner after that. And I, what I like about uh, St. Pat's is they didn't panic. They passed it, they passed it, they passed it. They went in and then came out and they got that goal. And then they sealed it at the, near the end. So, um, you know, it was a good good victory for Pat's, albeit they got, a, they got the look, I suppose. Uh, Declan Devine would be absolutely, you know, fuming because he, he is under pressure. Um, as he said, managers were under pressure from from the from the get go, so he's uh he's definitely would have been disappointed with that sending off. Yeah, I think uh, we'll talk a bit more about that with the two lads later on about managers and the pressures they come under really really quickly. Declan Devine being touted now as somebody who should be a bit concerned about his position that seems ridiculous given that ultimately they were a kick of, of a ball away from qualifying from from Europe last season. Um, it's not been a great start, fair enough, but we are only four games into the new year. Yeah, but that's that's the the nature. It doesn't matter what you do. You look at managers all 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 throughout the world. You could win, you know, you could win a league. The following year, you lose five games on the bounce and you're sacked. You know, and that's that's just the reality. And as I said, who'd want to be a manager these days? It's just it's just it's just the loyalty is not there. Um, you know, you you see some teams who are, are so loyal who stick with their with, with their manager, and it has reaped rewards. And for instance, uh, Stephen Bradley. You know, everyone wanted to get rid of him after you know six months, seven months in job. He hasn't a clue. He hasn't this. They stuck with him. They followed his uh, you know his, his the project he had, and look at them now. They're at the top of the top of the the, the pile. Yeah, speaking of Stephen Bradley in action, you cover that game for Ocean FM down here in the Northwest. Um, Sligo Rovers, Shamrock Rovers, one goal each. Nothing happened until about 83 or 84 minutes. And then Alan Manis, after we talked him up last week, uh, he'll be disappointed with that Walter Figueroa shot and how it just squeezed under his body. Um, but Rovers, once again, they did it against Pats on the opening night. They really showed that when they need to, they can up that. It'd be lovely to see them do it unprovoked by having to concede a, a goal at the other end. Yeah, but look at that. Alan Manis being top top keeper in the league. He's the top keeper in the, in, 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 you know, in the league this year. Sure, he saved a penalty for me in the cup final in 2010. So he, he's quality. Who let <laughs> no. you take a penalty? That's the question I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he uh, no, it was probably from he was standing around being cold. Really, to be honest with you, that he wasn't. He, you know, keepers can switch off. The game in the in the showgrounds. Um, 
you know, there, there wasn't there wasn't a lot in it. The draw is definitely a fair result. Both defences were, were excellent. I thought Sean Hoare for, for Shamrock Rovers was, was immense. You know, you had Gary Buckley and John Mann were brilliant and Colm Horgan was, you know, the back four of, of, of Sligo Rovers were, were excellent um, as well as Bulger. But Shamrock Rovers only came to life when that goal was conceded, you know. Um, you could see the tempo. You could feel the tempo. And they created... I think they created another chance after that and they scored. I think it was an unfortunate OG by John Mahan. But they could have nicked it in the end too with um, a, a cross from Sean Hoare into Rory Gaffney who got his... He, he, he's, um, he didn't get his header at all on target. So it was a bad miss. But I heard Stephen Bradley's comments after the game. He's like, you know, they should have won the game and, um, you know, they had enough chances to win two games. I have to like... I don't know what, whether I was at a different game. Maybe I was at a different game because it certainly wasn't like that. And I think anyone that was at the game would have said, you know, a draw was definitely a fair result. And, you know, Sligo Rovers would have gone in the, the probably most disappointed team, you know, and that, that's, that's a big step up from what from it was a year ago where they've now gone in and home to the league champions and they're disappointed because, albeit, you know, they conceded late. But... I think Shamrock Rovers are still the team to beat this year. You know, you're looking, you're bringing on Sean Gannon. You know, you're bringing on Rory Gaffney. So, like, you know, the strength and depth they have is is frightening. And, of course, don't forget Sligo, late goal ruled out against Dundalk for offside. And then, I suppose, disappointing to lose. Once you've scored in the last five or ten minutes of a game, disappointing to not seal the victory and go on. We could, in theory, be looking at Sligo Rovers with 12 points from the opening four games. We don't. They're sitting in third on on eight points, but um, they've got to be delighted with how that season has started for them this year. Oh, it's, well, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, they, they just have to just keep their feet on the ground. Massive game coming up this week. You know, um, Ollie Horgan's team rock into town. It's not going to be easy, but they're definitely, they're playing as a team, Breffney. You know, the last couple of years, there was individuals. There was there was no collection, collectiveness uh, amongst them. So, I feel like this year, they're, 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 he sorted out the back four. Greg Bulger is a massive, massive addition. Like when you're watching him live, he gets in the referees' faces, he gets in the opposition's faces. He's telling lads what he wants, and he's a massive, massive signing. And he, for if someone's not doing it, he's the Danny Vintry that we had. He's on their case, so you know that you have to perform. Plus, they have a bit of depth in the squad as well, defensively and midfield. So you have to perform, otherwise you're out. Um. Struggling in the final third, maybe that will come, you know. Um, whether you see like Johnny Kinney, I'm not sure he should have started the game. Possibly should have come on. Um, not saying that Johnny Johnny was just starved of possession. It was one of them type of games, you know. But uh, definitely massive, massive improvement from last year. And who knows, they have a massive chance uh, to be in the top three, top four this year. Would you be concerned about their strength and depth? Only 12 players have started for Sligo Rovers this year. Um. I, not, not, not so much. They have a small squad, so a couple of injuries to the the bigger players. You know, the Mans, the the Bulger, you know, Niall Moran. Yeah, I fear from then, but they still have. You know, they've Ryan Davies who come off the bench. They've Danny Kane. You know, they have uh, Shane Blaney, but albeit they're they're further back. I think the only thing that might struggle for Sligo Rovers is the the final third and. They need an out now striker. Whether Romeo pops into that position and finds him. Now Romeo was poor enough the last night. I thought Walter was very good, but look, mm. it's 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 uh it's early days. 
Um, but definitely, going off of what I've seen this year, top four is definitely a target. Yeah, I'm not convinced by Romeo, to be honest. In 2019, a pace to burn and could create his own opportunities, but just I found as likely to burst the back of the net as hit the corner flag sometimes. And maybe there's a bit of a, a hit and miss element to Romeo's play, but I think in terms of pace, no one can catch him. Uh, a bit more disappointment uh, moving down the N4 towards Longford Town, Drogheda United in town, the, the clash of the two uh, promoted sides. Both had very good starts to the season, um, but... Mark Doyle just decided, I'm going to show what I can do today. Two goals, uh, at least one other assist, but involved in everything good that, that Drahada did for the entire 90 minutes. 4-0, the final score. Probably flattered them, to be fair. Uh, Longford weren't atrocious, but just didn't couldn't find the net at one end. Dylan Grimes peppered the goal a few times with some decent shots, but nothing really ever looking like scoring. No, and I've, I've said this on the show already before, that Drahada. Drogheda are going to be a good side this year. They're not. Tem, Tem has them playing, and he has players. He has players that have a point to prove, and that can be a very dangerous thing because when you're when you want to prove it, when you're being told that oh you're not good enough at a club, you're not good enough at this club, and these combine and come together, and there and there's experience there, they're a good side, and they're going to take points off off teams this year. As for Longford, I just think the honeymoon period is now over. And it's now going to be it's going to be difficult, as you said. They, they don't really create too much. They have so much heart, uh, desire, you know, and that that gets you so far, you know. And I, I, you know, I feel for them because it is difficult. But until you know, maybe this defeat will maybe is maybe what Dara probably will say they need it maybe to 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 get back into the league and go right. We're in a a scrap now, you know. So they start off the league great, but. As terms of quality, they don't they don't have much quality, and you just you just worry about them. Yeah, it's funny we had Connor Hoy on the show a few weeks ago from Drogheda, and he spoke about the two fullbacks being top quality in the first division, and that he he believed there was nobody as good as them in the Premier Division. And to be honest, I kind of took it with a pinch of salt, in that he was just promoting his own players. But to be honest, James Brown, Connor Kane, very impressed with both of them in the opening couple of games of the season so far. Yeah, and, and two like you know you've you, you as I said there you've mixed these quality players and I like what you said when Connor said it I was like oh, I don't know maybe you're just saying this hundred percent hundred percent but 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 again confidence in the team and that's what Tim Tim Clancy has brought to the lads Tim's experience Tim has been across the water he's been here um he's a good pro so he he will be his man management but is probably excellent telling these players that they're they're going to be the best players in the league you know. Um, and that's what they breed off. And then you have the likes of Dane Massey, you have Ronan Murray's, you know, you have these lads there that that have won leagues. So you're you're mixing a good blend. And uh I think they'll they'll do all right this season. They'll probably be mid table, which is a good, good return for the first first season. Um but you know, as if you touch back, you just feel for Longford. And I don't want to keep saying it because I'd like Longford in, in, in the league because it's you know, it's a team, you know, it's in the Midlands, you want that, but uh, it could be a tough season, it's a good battle down there. Yeah, and of course, you missed two names there that I think are going to be integral to that Drogheda push this year, and that's Darren Markey, who was also phenomenal on on Friday night, or Saturday night, should I say, and Chris Lyons. Um, I just thought the three of those, um, the two of those and Mark Doyle, when they just got going, uh, they'll be a handful for any defence in the league. Final game of the Premier Division weekend was also on Friday night, up in Bally Buffet, 
where I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble saying this with Finn Harps, but it looked to be fairly liberal in terms of how many people were able to get into the ground. There was definitely a lot of stewards who weren't wearing bibs over on the on the usual side of the of the ground looking at watch LOI. Um, 2-1 win, last minute, Dave Webster, not the usual target you'd expect to be hitting them from the from 12 yards out to bury them in the top corner. Um, fantastic finish to the game. Another goal for Adam Foley. Ollie really can't put a foot wrong this this season so far. Top of the league still. Yeah, and like we said before, Finn Harps used to get much luck. Now they're getting all the luck. Um, last minute was a great finish by Webster. Uh, his movement even, the cross came in, he's pulled off of the back stick for, for, for a defender. And uh, just you just wish those fans there because they deserved it. You know, for the pain that they've had for the last couple of years of just flirting down around relegation. Um, you know, I was delighted for them. And I, what I was, what I would say is, Waterford has surprised me, and I haven't given them much of a chance at all. But um, what we said about Waterford is, these are the tight games that they lose. They're hanging in there. They, they just lose by the experience. But I think Finn Harps, massive game now. Uh, looking forward to the game at the showgrounds on on Saturday night. It'll be, or is it is a Friday night? Saturday and Tuesday, I think. There's two games next week, isn't there? So. Um, yeah, the the fixtures are um, they're playing. Yeah, it's a double fixtures. I think weekend. So look, Harps are going starting, to come. Starting. Yeah, so Harps are going to come. They're going to offer a completely different, you know, test down down to Sligo. Sligo are going to want to put one over an Ollie and the Harps, but Harps are flying it. And Ollie is is you won't want a better fella at the top than Ollie. You know, he deserves it. He deserves it for his interviews alone. He deserves it. And I tell you what, what did he say? He's one ninth of the season. We're one ninth of the season through or something. He's gas. No, he he gives phenomenal interviews. To be fair to him, yeah, that Sligo Rovers game is on Saturday evening. We'll have a look at that uh, later on in the show. In terms of the table, Pat's lead from Finn Harps on goal difference, uh, ten points from their four games. Sligo Rovers back on eight in third place. Drogheda on seven in fourth place. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, albeit with a game in hand, uh, they play Tuesday evening, probably the day this goes out. Uh, five points. They're a little bit adrift, but a, a win against Derry would put them into third place ahead of Sligo Rovers on goal difference. Uh, Bowes and Longford Town on four points from their fourth games. Waterford on three. They've lost out cruelly to draws uh, twice now in those open the four games. So probably a bit of a false uh, reflection on their performances in the season so far for Kevin Sheedy and his men. Dundalk, amazingly, in ninth place on one point, uh, while Derry City, uh, again, with a game in hand, they play Tuesday evening against Shamrock Rovers. Uh, they currently pointless in this league table. And as we said, pressure beginning to mount on Declan Devine. We quickly cast our eye over the first division. We've already touched on the Cabantini-Galway game, which didn't take place because of COVID. Uh, one goal settled it down in Cork at Turner's Cross when a J- late James Duna goal uh, took all three points for a resurgent at Lone Town, who currently sit on top of the league table. Shells, they got their season up and running properly with a 1-0 victory against Wexford, while Bray and UCD played out a scoreless draw there. Treaty United and Cove Ramblers won all. Did you catch any of those games on Watch LOI over the weekend? It was a very busy Friday night. Yeah, it was hard. I was trying to get the, you know, I was trying to get the Prem, Premier Division games in, and then obviously I was doing the radio for the, the Clash of the Rovers. Um, so I didn't really get to see much, but, you know, you look you look at the First Division there, we spoke to Adrian Carberry as the first, first uh, episode. And he told us his ambitions that they weren't just going to be the whipping boys, what they normally were. Um, they had ambitions to to uh, of their own, and 
the great result down in Cork to go away to Cork. Still early days in, in the first division. It's such a difficult league. You look at it. You know, Shell's winning as well. Shell's are the, the pick of the bunch, I think. You know, um, Galway's game called off. They'll be have ambitions, as, as John will allude to, that, you know, they'll want to get up. Um, so, as I said, I haven't really seen too much of the first division. It's it's a pity the way they clash. I just I just don't see I don't see why they put on games at the same time. Uh, you know, it's not promoting the the league at all. Like you know. No, I I do agree with you. I think there's plenty of opportunity to put on a game maybe in the afternoon on a Saturday yeah. and possibly even a game or two on a Sunday, um, that where you could actually have options because I know I I'd sit and watch five or six games over a weekend and I think yeah. a lot of casual fans would at least a passing opportunity, but. Having I think nine games, or maybe not nine games, maybe seven or eight games all at the one time on a on a Friday night is just I know that's the traditional time, and hopefully we'll all get back into grounds and it'll be fine then. But when you're missing that little bit of a feel, you want to get as much as you can. And I think I I prefer to see games played on Sundays and and whatever. Yeah. Now the women's games are on LOI TV most weeks. Last week, of course, international break, so there is a little bit of a fix, but that's not be all and end all for some people i'll watch a women's game but some people for whatever reason won't sit and watch it uh, they should though maybe check it out on loi tv over the weekend the league table in the first division because uh, i am want to get onto the chat the two johns is at lone town top of the league seven points from their first three games cabin Teeley, full, full mark so far six points from their two games of course the game against galway not played due to covid and then three teams on five points ucd shelburne and treaty while bray wanders Currently three draws so far, three points from their opening three games. Cork City also on three points, uh, while Galway and Cove currently eighth and ninth on one point. Wexford still without a point to their name in the league this season. So um, going to be a long season for some of those teams, but I think the excitement is just beginning to ramp up there. Five teams, six teams who haven't lost a game yet in that division. So it's going to be really, really tight as we go on through the next couple of months. Uh, let's get on to our chat with the two lads. And of course, we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, they were in opposite dugouts against each other back at the start of the 2019 season. Um, it hasn't worked out for both of them at those clubs in the last two years. But John Caulfield in particular is back with a, a resurgent Galway United and they look really, really promising in this year's first division. And John Gill, we're also going to have a chat with him. We might even talk about maybe a little spat that he got into over Twitter uh, over the weekend. It's not why we had him on the show. He was booked before it happened, but himself and Dan McDonald had a bit of a chat uh, over, uh, I suppose, over Twitter on Sunday. And uh, we're going to have a little chat and see maybe about what's been going on with his life since he's left Dundalk. Now, there's been a lot of talk about changes on and off the pitch at Dundalk in recent weeks. They haven't had the best start of the season. And we're going to be joined by a part of their former management team, John Gill, to talk about what he's been up to for the last six months and what's going on at Oriel Park so far this season. John, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Hey, guys. Hey, Alan. How are you, Brett? How's it going? I'm great. And yourself, you look well rested anyway. Uh, a few grey hairs kind of growing back to a bit of black maybe after the last six months. Nice no, rest. Not, I, I haven't. I haven't got, quite got the just for men yet. No, I'm going to go stick gracefully with grey. <laughs> you won't go with this look, John, no? Uh, Kino, yeah. Well, Kino, you used to have wavy hair one time. It waved goodbye to you one day, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> John, uh, you're, you're in good spirits. Uh, talk to us about the last six months, I suppose, since you've uh, departed from Oriel Park. What's life been like for you? Have you been following much of the action of the league? Yeah, absolutely. I've been watching a lot of games. Um, unfortunately, haven't been able to get to many games because of, obviously... 
restrictions, but I keep an active interest in it. Um, you know, uh, it's it's been interesting. It's it's been fascinating watching the way clubs are going about their business. And it, it's I actually think the league is, is is really wide open this year. I still think whoever finishes above Rovers will win it. But um, you know, the likes of Pat, the best team I've watched, obviously a lot of games so far, and Pat's have really impressed me. I think Pat's are the, the side that have really impressed me most at the moment. But I think with Rovers getting in with Richie Tell coming in mid-season, it's going to be the team that finishes above Rovers that will win the league. And John, I suppose we're going to go to the question what everyone is, is, has been asking everyone every week is the situation at Dundalk. And I know you, you were involved in it um, uh, previously. What do you make of this year's uh, set-up? And, and do, is it a surprise to you? It's it's strange, Alan. It's, it, listen, it's people would say it's similar to when I went in with Vinny, but it wasn't really because I knew what the parameters of the job were, my parameters were. I was brought in to help because I had the license. I went back because I have a lot of affinity with the club. I, I wasn't overly friendly with Vinny. I would have signed him as a player. I actually let him go as a player as well. But I, I when I when I met him and, and saw what he wanted, I liked what I saw. It gave me you you were up in that dressing room, Keno. It always fascinated me to see what's what what it would be like to be in, in a in a a real winning mentality dressing room with, with top players. It didn't disappoint me. We had a great year in our first year there in 2019. You've played with some of these lads, like Shields and that. Great lads, really professionals, good lads down to the core as well. They 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 work hard, but they're good fun to be around. But they're 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 driven they're driven lads. And I, I feel sorry for the likes of those guys at the moment because I'd imagine they're a little bit despondent. I think what happened when when Vinny left, obviously with with the new manager coming in, he hadn't got. I could have stayed on. I was asked to stay on, and I I chose not to for 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 reasons close to myself. Um. I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, it was always going to be difficult for the new manager coming in when he hadn't got the qualifications and wasn't even... People forget that Vinny had enrolled in a pro-license course. The mm. new guy coming in hadn't even done that and, and was, had, had, had any way of doing that. So that was always going to lead to problems. I, I think what happened in Europe last year when they were kind of reprimanded over the shadow, shadow coaching end of it, they got a large fine. They really should have been making plans then, in my view. Or, and they, and they, they probably they will tell you that they did, in the fact that Shane Keegan came in as because Shane had a pro license. I just, I, what I don't understand at the moment, Alan, is I'm looking at Pat's same kind of situation. Alan Matthews is there with the pro license, a bit like when I was there. Stephen is allowed to do his work on the sideline. I don't understand why Filippo isn't isn't in the in the dugout. I don't, I don't get that. No. Have the F have the FEI told them not to? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know what the situation is there, mm. and and that has to lead to some sort of confusion with players and getting messages across. It's 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 just not working. Yeah, it's a strange one. Like because obviously Shane Keegan is there. Um, he had a, a minor role under uh, Vinny's management. He came more into it then when yourself Vinny and and uh, Alan left the club uh, middle of last season. And then he was announced, having been in that junior role effectively as propping up that management team, he's now the manager and the book stops with him. Is that really what's going on in your opinion? Because from the outside looking in, I don't see any credibility in that argument at all. Um, it's because obviously I'm not there. So it, it, I think everybody knows what's going on. I think we all know that Filippo's calling the shots. In fairness, same as in the Pat situation, Stephen O'Donnell is picking the team. Stephen O'Donnell is the manager. Um, I, I I think Dundalk maybe came out with this because I think the European aspect frightened them. I don't know whether they maybe the FEI maybe said to them, "Listen, you've got to pull in your pull in your claws a little bit." But 
once there's a pro license holder on the bench, the, again, when I was there, I was brought in as probably um, I wasn't brought in the, ter- the term manager. I was brought in as a, a head coach. I think my 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 title was. I don't understand why couldn't have gone about done it the same way. Shane comes in as head coach. Filippo comes in as coach. Whatever way you want to put it, but definitely if you're trying to manage a team and you're sitting in the stand, to me, it's a very very hard thing to do. And John, you, you're you're well experienced in management and coaching and all that. And you've you've dealt with different chairmen and everything. Uh, how how much of an impact or how different was it at Dundalk at your time um, to have out, outer influence? Is like kind of it, it's been in the media. How basically you know the Zoom calls or whatever. How difficult is that to get on with your day to day football inside of stuff? Um, you know from your from your experience. It, it was difficult um, when COVID hit. Like the chairman had been over a few times before COVID. But see, the year the, when 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 the present chairman took over, we were winning things, Kina. We were we were penalty kicks away from winning everything. People forget that. So when you're winning things, people kind of take more of a back seat. The following year, which was 2020, the start of last year, we didn't get off to a great start by our standards. We I think we picked up 14 points from, I think 27. I think. Um, it's the, we'd won our first four and then we, we lost a great game up in Tala. I don't you remember the game, the three two game against yeah. Rovers. It was yeah. a really, it was a cracking game. It was a really great it's a game actually that we should have won. We left it behind us. We were two one up, very undock done very undock like probably should have had better game management than the night. Jack Bourne scored a very good winner. It was a great game. Great advert with the, the night of the Jordan Flores goal. Yeah. It was a tremendous game. We 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 had a couple of ropey results after that. And and, and it's then what happened what happens then is People then maybe start panicking, and they they want to have more of an influence. That definitely happened. Um, again, came to the European side of things, and again I go back to the Clash game. People thought that we should have been odds on to beat the champions of Slovenia, but there, there are not really many easy games in Europe, particularly when you're playing the champions of Slovenia. They were a decent team, and again on the night I don't know you probably watched the game. I felt we should have got something out of the game. Hogan hits the post and we go one all. It could have been they they broke and scored two late goals, and then really after that it kind of it did become difficult. But it, you're right when you're dealing with when you're de- when you're trying to deal with maybe boards of directors or directors on Zoom calls. It's it's not it's not a it's not ideal. In terms of that actual the fallout of that, and um, obviously we all know that Vinny was let go by the club, and then what what happened at that point then because obviously yourself and alan were in position uh, you're neither of you are there anymore who made that decision and, and why was that decision made if that makes sense if um vinnie gong or was staying there who, once, once vinnie was gone um well what was your, what were your options well basically what happened was vinnie was let go let's say i think vinnie was let go we flew back on the wednesday from clash i think vinnie knew himself um we probably both knew what was going to happen the following day he got a phone call the following day um i got a phone call five minutes after he got a phone call asked me would i take the game would i take the team against sligo um i said yes uh, i can't really speak for any i let Rennie speak for himself i'd already made up my mind once that happened that i wasn't going to be hanging around i told i told the chairman that i said he, he wanted to know what i would like what i see out the rest of the season i said i'll speak to you on the sunday after the sligo game Let's get the Sligo game out of the way. Um, got the Sligo game out of the way. Got beaten 3 1. Again, we missed the penalty. Pat missed the penalty. Again, it was a game, ifs and buts. I, I thought we played quite well. We got beaten. 
Uh, on the Sunday, I spoke to the chairman and I told him that um, I wouldn't be hanging around. I said, I, 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 I will, I'll pass over to whoever he wants to pass over to. He's, he, he, said, he asked me what I think about it. Um, wasn't too pleased. I think he thought I was going to stay on, which was never going to be the case. Uh, spoke to him on the Monday. Got a little bit fractious on the, on, on the Monday um, between myself and the chairman. He told me that there was two guys going to be coming in on the Tuesday, two Italian guys. Would I go and meet them and, and take training? Went and met the two guys on the Tuesday, went up training. And after the training session, called the two guys in and just said, listen, guys, I'm out of here. Uh, rang the chairman and I, I just left. Um, Rennie, Rennie kind of stayed on for a little bit longer. I think, I think Rennie stayed on for another week or a few more days. I'm not really sure. So I'm not really privy to what way that went. Yeah, because it, it would be difficult for you with the affiliation you have with the club and obviously working with the players. Uh, it must have been a, a serious, tough decision just to step away because things must have got really, really uh, hard for you because like, we, we all know how much you, you love the club and stuff like that and, and seeing that you've worked with them players. So, and, and me working under Vinny uh, when he was there with Stephen Kenny, I could tell, and you said he got that phone call or whatever coming home on the plane, I could tell by Vinny's... Um, how would you say he's his interviews? He knew he was coming to the end, and like for me, I just find it very, very difficult with the way the season is going now, and it's now carried on to a new season. Um, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, Alan, I think, and I think a lot of people probably, <clears throat> it's a real case of be careful what you wish for. Um, I think certain people up there, and maybe including some players, by the way, because you're not going to keep all players happy. There were a few disgruntled players as well. There was, there was, there was stuff being leaked. To, to journalists um, and Keno you played up there one of the things I'd have to say about that Dundalk dressing room if you go back it was it was watertight not much not, 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 not much came out of that dressing room either way team selection you always know in the team like I, I would hear bits and back about this team are going to be playing or he's playing the Dundalk dressing room was one of the tightest dressing rooms I've ever been in probably the tightest a really top bunch of players who'd done their business right so it was there were small little cracks happening then there, there were a couple of other individuals involved. Like there was, there was, there was, there was a guy that was brought over, a fellow called Mark Burton. I don't know the mm. guy from Man oh, yeah. City. Yeah, I was going to ask about him. This guy came in. A guy came in. No, he's a nice guy. He came in for three weeks. He, he he's more of a sports psychologist. He's done all his. He worked in the Manchester City Academy. He worked with the likes of uh, Jordan Sancho. Uh, he's worked with Phil Foden. He, he, he's 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 got a he's he's a very very good CV. He came in probably as what I would call a, a, a specialist coach, so to speak, um, to work maybe do one on one with certain players. Again, that was probably more of the the, the boards. You know, they like it. Again, Dundalk was always a tight knit, tight. Uh, backroom team Stephen and Vinny and Steve Williams you know you know them Keno like it was a close close knit bunch uh, you know things were just starting to go a little bit pear shaped in my view yeah, in, in terms I suppose there's been a lot of uh, turmoil off the pitch as well in, in the professional side of the club in terms of uh, I know um, Martin Connolly left the club over the, the winter but also there were other senior members of staff that were at a management level that have been in and out over the last three or four seasons. There's been a lot of change up in, in Oriel Park. There's been a lot of turmoil. Like the likes of Colin, Colin Murphy, Breffney, a lot of a lot of very good people behind the scenes who were so-called volunteers but were crucial to the club. Colin Murphy, 
um, Simon Blackmore. Martin Martin Connolly was a paid employee. He was, he was general man, but Martin done a lot of lot of good, very good work. Martin was a good operator. There's been a, there's been a huge amount of change behind the scenes. Now you always need change. You always need change, and you will always get change in football clubs. But I think what's happened with Dundalk is the amount of change uh, and the volume of it done in a quick period of time has certainly affected. I feel the dynamic. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And then. Again, I'm not privy to it, but to me, it, it's ludicrous. You, you lose two of your best players to your to your to your nearest rivals. Mm. I mean, Sean Gannon undoubtedly has been probably, I think we'd all agree, the best right back in this league the last four or five years. You were there, Keenan, when he was. I, he, he probably be end up being one of the best players ever in the league. Yeah, well, and then Sean Hoare is to me again. The Sean Hoare is probably the quickest defender in this country. By the way, he's, he's the quickest, probably one of the most aggressive. Probably one of the most underrated uh, players in the country. If, if rumours are led to be true, um, he was offered a six-month contract. I mean, Rovers give him a four-year contract. Sean Gannon gets a three-year contract. That shows you how much of esteem they held him in. Yeah, and that's it. And I watched Sean, uh, Sean Hoare uh, against uh, Sligo Rovers on, on Saturday night. He was exceptional. Absolutely. He he covered left, right and centre. And I couldn't believe it myself. How he know he was immense, and I thought he was man of the match on 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 Sunday. Yeah. He was immense. He was very very good, and I like Sean Gannon. Sean Gannon loves Dundalk. I don't think Sean Gannon would have left. You know, uh, no. you know, you have Sean Hoare, so you're strengthening your rivals oh. coming up against you, and it doesn't, it just, it doesn't happen in any other league in the world, and it's just, no. you know, so it, it does a lot for 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 yourself personally, John. Um, you've obviously you have your pro license and all that. Like I, I'm doing the I the coach and doing my coaching badges, but I'm I'm I've kind of stopped doing mine now because I just got I kind of fell out of love with football and coaching because I just don't see as as a clear kind of a pathway for you. There's so many pro licenses in Ireland, like there's so many out of jobs. Do you see yourselves now as oh we're going in doing a job for someone else to get it? You know, Kino, I'm I'm 58 this year. My day is probably coming gone. But I tell you, it's funny you talk about coaching. Since I've got my pro license, I haven't worked. I've never, I've, I haven't managed a team after I got my pro license. Now, yeah. you take, I'm, I'm one of many. Paul, Paul Doolan. Yeah. There's an awful lot of John McDonald. There's a there's huge so amount many. of people. Now, it costs a lot of money to get it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm asking myself now, was it worth all the time and effort um, going and getting it? All the financial time, you, the, the financial aspect of it. Did it help me? Yeah, bits of it did. Did it make me a better manager? Or to make me a better football person, I don't think so. I don't think like it, it would have helped. Um, so I think this thing about coaching, if you ask me, it's it's part of it's a money making racket to bring in money into the in, in, in into the into the governing body. Now yeah. I'll probably get, I'll get into a little bit of trouble for that, but I don't care. That's what I feel. No, no sorry, John, but I I actually agree with you there because I just find that there's so many. I I look at the pro licenses every year and I see lads and there's. Barely any working within the league, and there's some of them top quality, have been top quality players and top quality, you know, managers in the day, and they still are out of it. And I just find for myself, I I'm not going to spend X amount of money to go on and do finish off doing my A and Pro license for what? Because it, there's there's nothing out there. We don't have know? an industry, Kino. We don't have an no. industry in this country. Now, I I I gave when when I went to Dundalk two years ago, I put a job that I had on hold. Now. The job I was putting on hold told me it would be there for me when it turns out I ended up losing the job. So when I left on Dark last year, I hadn't got a job. I left the job. Now, 
my wife it, it nearly cost me a divorce because it was a very it was a really good job that i had it was a management job it was being really well paid at a company car pension um private health i had a really good package i parked that thinking i'd go and i'd be able to go back to and do you know what now i've got another job since and on far lesser terms and i'm happy enough i would i would I, unless unless things radically change in this country like yourself and there's, there's a new breed of coach coming through but how, how long realistically do you expect to get in a job now rovers are stuck, Ro, well rovers in fairness into their credit have stuck with stephen bradley mm. and and they've reaped the rewards of that now vinnie perth is a penalty kick away from winning all four four or five trophies and he gets sacked seven yeah. games into the into the, he, he's let go seven or eight games into the new season it, to me doesn't make sense yeah, in, in terms of, I think Keane asked the question I was going to ask you there in a different kind of way, and it really boils down to, are the FAI missing a trick here, even allowing clubs to go down the route that Pats have done with Stephen O'Donnell and that um, Dundalk have done here? Like, should there just be a, a straight line across, if you don't have a pro license, you can't start day one, end of story? I don't know whether Keane wants to answer that. Me, personally... <clears throat> What was the point in bringing in the pro license and making people spend all this money on it? Okay, so you go and you spend two years, you spend the goods of 10,000 euro to go and do it. Um, now I done mine in 2007. I was the, I was on the first group that done it. Brian, there was a there was a really good group. It was the, the FEO invited 18 people to go on it. It was actually it was my last year in Dundalk actually as the manager there then when we got promoted. Um, I went and done it. Now the FEI paid half the cost, and at the time Dundalk paid half. So I was lucky that I was able to. It didn't, but it did cost you money when you were going away for my A license, all of that kind of stuff. Anybody trying to do it now, who's going to pay out ten thousand euro, mm. um, to 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 go and do it, for like as Alan says, for what? Like, what are you going to? What are you going to get a job out of it? Are you going to? Is there, is there a career path there for you? And that that's what, like what you said there. You have a, like you have a job. And next thing you get six months, six weeks, six, you know, nine months yeah. in, in the job and, and you, you're not getting the pay that you, you should deserve, you know, so they expect you to do it for less again. And my thing is now they're kind of nearly using the pro license as fellas to go in under lads that are just UFA going on to the pro license and using them as a backup. So then they don't play, play pay the pro license holders as much as they had to if they were managers. So I just I just find it very disheartening. For me, I don't have a pro license. For you, it must and all the rest must be very, very disheartening. Well, I give you like Pete Mann as a club. Pete Mann is now Pete's seven yeah. Pete Pete has actually stopped doing it. You have to go and do this fifteen hour CPD every three yeah. years. Pete Mann is not gonna I don't think Pete Mann's gonna do his Pete's just gonna Pete's gonna say, No use to me. What's the point of me doing the because see, see the 15 hours you do CPD, that costs money as well, by the way. Yeah. costs a lot of money to do the 15 hours. Yeah. So you're paying for the privilege of... What we used to do was, to be honest with you, when I when I started out, Coach, when I was... Go back to... Actually, even when I was with Pete and Drada, uh, 2016, we used to go on a club visit ourselves. We'd pay him. We, we were over in Derby that year. We went to Stoke. And we spent a week, half a week in Derby and half a week in Stoke. And we, we were given all access all areas. So we, we were able to meet Pulis. We were able to meet Nigel Club at the time. So you educate yourself by watching the way the way clubs do things. Um, we weren't allowed to claim that as our part of our CPD. That was off our own bat, if you know what I mean. So yeah. even though we had, it was Pete that arranged it, he knew somebody in Stoke. He knew Terry Conroy, an ex-Irish international. Terry arranged for us to go to uh, Stoke, and he arranged for us to go down then to Derby. So we spent three days in Derby, and we spent three days in Stoke. And it was brilliant. You were allowed on the training pitch. You, you were given access to all areas. So you were educating yourself. 
by being in, in, in that environment. Yet we weren't allowed to maybe claim that back as part of our CPD. Yeah. Now, it's, I'm probably, again, I'm probably going to dig a hope myself here with the governing body because I'm actually, I'm due, to, I'm due to do another 15 hours at the start of next year. And you know what? I don't even, I don't even know, lads, whether I'd bother doing it. That's being no. honest. No. I may or may not. I'll see. If it suits me to do it, if it doesn't clash with the job I have now, I may do it. Again, you become a little bit disillusioned with football at times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final question, John, and you weren't disillusioned when this blew up over the weekend. We had booked you on the show before this happened and before I spotted on Twitter. Uh, you got into a little bit of a Barney with uh, Dan MacDonald. I don't know how much you want to talk about it yesterday, but you took umbrage, I suppose, at a, a comment you made on Twitter about weak management in the previous management team at Dundalk. What do you want to talk, talk, do you want to, talk to us a bit about that maybe? Before uh, not really. Not really. I, I said what I had to say yesterday. I don't like airing my, my dirty washing in public. Um, but it's, it's too easy for some people to go on Twitter and make come across with these, you know, blasé comments. Um, it, do you know what? If, if, if I was a part of a weak management structure, I'd be still in Dundalk because I could have still been there. So I'm far from weak. I am a lot of things, all right, and I've been called a lot of things, but one thing I'll never be is weak. I have my own principles and my own mind. There's, there was, there's been a lot of stuff said um, by, by, by that individual. Um, and I, he's never spoken to me once, even when I was in Dundalk, when I had to go and face the press, when everybody knew that I wasn't so-called manager, but I had to go and do press. They never took the time out to, to speak to me then. When an article was written about Vinnie the week, a few days, a week after he left, I don't really remember the article in the Irish Independent. It was a really, to me, it, it, it wasn't a very uh, reflective piece because you go and speak to only certain people. You should go and speak to everybody, everybody get everybody's point of view. Don't just speak to a, to a uh, a selective few. That's on that's my view. Um, I said what I had to say yesterday. He said what he had to say. I'm sure, we'll meet along the way, and we'll we'll, we'll probably discuss it a few, you know, a little bit more when we meet face to face. But I, I said what I had to say, um, and I'm I'm not going to have somebody saying that I was part of a weak management structure until you're in that situation. Kino alluded to earlier on. You don't know like when you're, when you're dealing with people on Zoom calls. You're not even in the same room as them. You, d you don't know what's going on. You may get information, people telling you what's going on, but then speak to the other side, speak to other people that are involved as well to find out what actually is going on. And then somewhere in between is the truth. Yeah, well, listen, I didn't expect it to go on a bit of a rant there, but I, I completely understand the, the, the frame of mind you're coming at it from. John Gill, um, I know we've been friends for over 20 years since we both involved in Dumb City back in the day. Um, thank you very much for giving us the time this evening to have a chat with us and uh, wish you best luck in the job. And obviously, if we see you back in football, it'll be a, a, not a day too soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. See you, Alan. See you, Kino. Sure, see you, see you back. Take care. Bye-bye. Now, the other half of the opening to the 2019 season in terms of the, the title race uh, was, after John Gill's interview, was, of course, John Caulfield down at Cork. And things are a little bit different for John now at the moment. He's no longer at Cork. We might get into that a little bit in the next 15 minutes or so as well. He's currently with Galway, and they've put in, in a big investment and a big effort to get out of the first division this year. Things maybe not quite going to plan just yet, but John is joining us now to talk to us about maybe how things are going to look out over the next couple of months or so. John, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, lads. Good job. John, of course, uh, it's been a, an interesting start for Galway. Um, disappointed with how things are going so far this year, or is this a big part of a bigger picture of, of what's ahead for this squad of players? God, I'm not disappointed, lads. Jesus, the season's only started. Um, 
Um, no, I've been very happy. You know, obviously I came up um, into the club last late August, and we've done a lot of work over the last five six months. Um, in fairness to the board, uh, tried to bring in morning training, you know, double sessions, and with a lot of the guys at, at, in college and the COVID actually has worked uh, to our advantage in a way because a lot of the guys are at home. Um, you know, but we're very happy. You know, it's you know Galway. Alan knows this. Um, potential to be a very big club. Um, you know, we train up in Drum and Salt Hill Devon's grounds, fantastic facilities. We put a lot of structures in the background. Um, we've invested a little bit, so have most of the first team clubs. You know, Shelburne and Cork getting relegated has certainly put the competition at its highest, you know, because obviously you have Bray and UCD and Athlone and Cove and all the other teams have invested for them, Kevin TV. But, um, you know, I'm very happy. We put a good squad together. The season has just started. You lose a game, you know, you don't throw the toys out of the pram. You just all tough and uh, work on the principles that you've worked in the pre-season and it um, takes a little bit of time. You know, this, the league is a marathon and there's 27 games plus playoff games. So long, long way to go. But the most important thing is, um, you know, I think there's good structures in the club at the moment and, uh, you know, hopefully that we can, we can you know, start getting wins together. But it's a long way to go in the season. Uh, John, I'm going to ask you about how the move came about to go because for me, um, as a Goy man, I've just seen so much chopping and changing at Goy for the last couple of years, and uh, you know they they're either going pro and then they're going back semi pro, then they're going pro again. But then when I seen you announced, I was like, wow, like they've actually made a statement here. Um, how did that come about from you? Like you know, you, you've got a manager who's won FEI cups and 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 leagues, uh, various leagues, you know, down in Cork, and now he's manager. Of a, of a first division side who now have put a statement out and said, look, we've got possibly one of the best managers within both leagues. Yeah, I suppose, Alan, first and foremost, I'm a League of Ireland person and I, I, I have passion for the league ever since I was following it and played in the league. Um, you know, people, you know, will always associate me with Cork City, which is understandable because, you know, we played 15 seasons. I live in West Cork. You know, I spent the last 35 years down there, my own family, you know, my kids and that, they're all rare and, and from there. And, um, you know, but I did my pro license. I'm a soccer coach. I was managing teams, non-league. I was involved, colleges I was involved. And, um, you know, certainly when Cork City Gate finished, um, I went back to, I suppose, a normal day job. Hmm. And... Um, <laughs> But I really wanted to try and get back into football and and uh, probably the fact that, you know, I've been with Cork City for so long and I'm predominantly you know, my only senior club, really. Um, you know, I suppose people maybe felt that, you know, would I go elsewhere, you know, that opportunity didn't come up. I was always anxious and, and then, you know, out of the blue, oh, we were going through a difficult time. Um, Alan, Alan Murphy was relieved. I got a call the following lunchtime from someone asking me would I be interested, and um, I had I, I met Galway the following sorry I actually met Galway the following following day, and by that night um, we agreed. I suppose there had been a few things when I finished with Cork City that had come up. Um, the only one club I was involved with, a project to take over, 
but you know a lot of people do a lot of talking when you go out to them the real the real questions where's the money how much have you have you got to put up front how much do you want to invest in the club what do you want to do with it um that that tells the seriousness so there were two things that potentially came up but they weren't they just didn't fit right for me you know and then i sat down with the Galway board made a chat what do you want to do i suppose ultimately um i have a fair idea how to run a club how to run a team how to manage people and um you know i came in late august with a view of seeing out the last 10 games with structures in place for this season coming and then we ended up being in the playoff semi-final you know and in fairness to the players they, they ran through the wall and they did brilliant and then the off season we'll put structures in place but i suppose my scenario alan is no different than you know the way league of ireland football has been for 30 or 40 years most clubs go from season to season there's very few long-term plans very few business models thankfully maybe in the last number of years some clubs have got their structures in place and trying to go down that way um but like 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 a in football everyone wants instant success and that's that's very very difficult um but um i try to put structures in place and i think the club i can see that there's a lot of very very good work going on in the background uh you know people always just associate you know the first team and the results and i understand that because it's a results business but at the same time um there's lots of work being done around the club that certainly has a club in a good position compared to where they were but ultimately at the end of the day in any club the board um the people invest the money they will decide to an extent where where it goes because you have to football this business you have to invest and um you know but i can only do my best the Galway board i think can see what i'm trying to do here and hoping they're going to they've backed me so far i'm hoping i can bring success to the club um but i get up every day and i love going to train i love you know push the lads i love trying to build a new team i've got a very good staff with me and um it's a highly competitive league and anyone just thinks that you can walk into a league throw money at it and you're going to win it just isn't as simple as that you know and um, but i have a good knowledge and you know it's it's um it's a new challenge to me and i'm loving it and i'm hoping that uh, i can turn the club around and john uh, sorry just that last year obviously when you come in you were second from bottom or wherever it was do you think that all of a sudden, and now no disrespect to the squad you had last year, your squad you have this year is by way better than the squad you had last year. You've done exceptional with the squad you had last year to even get to the playoffs. So do you think that would have, say, put the board this year, put maybe nearly extra pressure on you? Because I feel like managers in this league or in our leagues nowadays, they don't get enough time. You get nine months. Like I look at, say, Shamrock Rovers, Stephen Bradley, they wanted them out after nine months, fans. Look at them now. Was it three, four years on? He's won a league. He's won a cup, and yeah. you, you you can go around all the leagues. I just find do you find that managers like you you're only what a year and a bit into the job that you do need your time to put your stamp on it, especially that the the seasons are only nine you know nine months. Uh, yeah. I I just find especially me my experience at Galway and being from Galway is they go from pro to semi pro to pro and then sometimes when they go back to semi-pro they'll stay for three years semi-pro and then instead of being the opposite way around uh, i i don't know what's your take yeah. on that or in, in the league yeah. as a whole 
I suppose, Alan, my passion for League of Ireland is that I can see a brilliant model and a brilliant league. And I genuinely mean that. If we could get our, if we could get the structures right and get the clubs run properly. And I know people are saying you're, you're dreaming. And unfortunately, perception in our league is very poor. To the outside business world, to the other sports, our perception is poor. But like, what you're after saying is the exact problem with the league. That there's too much of one season, we'll have a cut. If it doesn't work out, we'll go back part-time. And, and that's just reflective right across the country for most clubs. Okay, At least, you mentioned Shamrock Rovers. They were travelling around Dublin for 20 years. They hadn't even got a ground. You know, in fairness to them, they kept the club alive, they kept going. They sacked a number of managers after Michael O'Neill, including Michael O'Neill, effectively, who brought them to Europa League, which is the first time that they had been in the Europa League. And then they went through Stephen Kenny, Pat Fenlon, two, two serious managers, Trevor Crowley, you know, and probably Stephen Bradley probably benefited from the quick sackings of the three other lads previous to him because he had a difficult start. He was getting a bit of stick. But fair play, they stuck with him. He had confidence in himself and now he's delivered. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a scenario where as a manager, would you like a three or four year plan? Of course you would. But at the same time, you'd be silly to think that at the same time, if you lost three or four results, that you might lose you might lose your job because that's just the way it's gone at the moment. And social media has played a huge part. Um, boards tend to react very quickly to fans, you know, turning on the manager very quickly. And um, it is a huge challenge. It's very difficult. So going forward, you have to have investment in in in, in, in your in your in the, in the league. You have the investment in your in your club. And, you know, wouldn't it be brilliant if all the clubs had major sponsors, people who would give them a certain amount of money over three or four or five years so you could have a plan in place, like any business. You go out tomorrow morning, you set up a business, you have a plan in place, how are you going to do it, how are you going to achieve your goals, how are you going to invest it rightly. And in football, it's sometimes, it's, it, a lot of it is very short term. All I, can, all I can do here in, in Galway, which I have done since I met the board, they're very enthusiastic, really good people. I've been showing them what I think can happen. I've been doing things that I think that will, will improve the club. And But ultimately, at the end of the day, I have no control other than I'm here until the end of the season. You know, um, I would hope to think that they could see that the club is going to improve, that we're, that we're going to be successful. Which you just don't know, um, but certainly it is, a diff- it is a difficult one for for managers because you know we're in a league where, and you know this, Alan, better than anyone. We have part-time teams, we have full-time teams. Um, you know, we have different, you know, different different amateur teams, and we probably need to get to a point where we need a professional. Premier Division with everyone full time, and but we need to get to where players get paid fifty two weeks a year. If they're two two year contracts or three year contracts, they get paid. And I make the example that I lost a number of players 
from Cork City after winning in the Viva, after winning the league, playing in Europe, who ended up with Rochdale in England. And Rochdale, uh, the manager at the moment is a lad called Brian Barry Murphy, a Cork lad, very good lad, a good friend of mine. But they were able to offer double the wages and they're bottom of League One. They never play in Europe. The training facilities were compared to what was in Cork. Were way, way behind what Cork had. But still, they can offer double the wages, a two-year two deal, a three-year deal, and the lads are guaranteed to get paid every week. And unfortunately, are they guaranteed to get paid in Ireland every week? Thankfully, in Cork City, in my time, they were they got paid. But at the same time, we all know of all the cases in, around the country and for years of, of players not being paid 40 week contracts, 33 week contracts. And, you know, we have to treat the, this as a serious industry, a serious business. And ultimately, we need, I keep saying this from the top, we need a League of Ireland group of people to run the league. You need three or four business people that are employed by the FBI and their job, no different than any other job, that you get your job is to run the league if you can and if you don't do the job you're, you're, you can't run the league you're not good enough to run it you sack the person you bring someone else in but you need a league of ireland working committee full-time people who can run their league and you run it at that level like it is in any other country but until you get to that level lads we'll always be where we are that's that's my my, my opinion but i do think that people have known seeing that there's money in the league uefa money is coming in if you got things right in the proper TV deals, but we have a long way to go because there's a long way from where Shamrock Rovers are at the moment and where Galway United are, even though there's lots of good structures in Galway and there is investment, but it's a long way off where Shamrock Rovers are with their academy and with the, with the investment that they're putting. Speaking of that long gap between, say, where Galway United and teams of their ilk in the first division are at the moment, and teams challenging at the top of the Premier Division, I suppose when you left Cork, um, it probably goes to show how, how quickly they've fallen from that pe pedestal right down to that first division level. It probably shows how good a job you did on reasonably limited resources in that last season just to keep them competitive. Um, do you look back and uh, with any regret in terms of what's happened to Cork over the last couple of years for the, the supporters of the club, even just in terms of how far they've come down in the last year or two? I would look at Cork as personal to me because you know I played with the club for 15 years. I was fun the club as the manager. It was a fantastic time time of my life. Um, you know I'd never been a, a professional person until I took the manager of Cork City's job, big manager job. I was like a part-time player all my life. I had a day job, trained at night, played at the weekend. So I'd never been a full-time in football, full-time football until I took the manager's job and I gave up my day job to take it. And I was absolutely thrilled. It was fantastic. You know, do I think the club should be where they are now? Absolutely not. But look, it's it's um, very, very disappointing to see where it is with the support that was there. But look, at the same time, the good people in charge, Colin Healy's a good lad. John Cotterley and Carney McNulty and, and at least they'll come back to basics with a local management team who know the ins and outs of the club and I believe will turn around but it is disappointing to see where they are but from my own point of view you know these things happen you know certainly did we overachieve with, with what was there 
there was no doubt about that. You know what I mean? We took a club over that was in the bottom half of the table that was in debt and they were turned around to compete with the best team that everyone says that was in the country for the, you know, ever. And uh, and they ran them close for three or four years and won a double and won a couple of cups, so it wasn't a bad return. Um, John, in terms of, uh, you're obviously in Galway, any move on the academy in in um, the structures in Athenry? They bought a, you know, the Comers or something, bought land in Athenry or something, and off the GAA, yeah. I think, was it? Is there any move on that since, or is that being put to, to, to bed yeah. for a while? Well, Alan, there's a lot of positive talk. You know, the Comers, yes, bought the ground, uh, the GA sold it, and, and they bought it. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of um, positive talk in recent times um, in terms of the last even two or three months. And, you know, obviously they're looking for planning. Um, but from what I'm led to believe, and I'm not involved in any of these meetings or the our negotiations, but I'm led to believe that you know the project is is going to be on track, and that within four to five years, Galway will have a um, a, a ground, state of the art ground built, which will have a number of pitches, five or six, where the academy will train, first team will train. So um, you know it looks very exciting. I'm always a bit slow to get too excited personally because I've been around the League of Ireland. I've seen so many exciting projects. Haven't come to fruition, you know what I mean? So I'm just hoping it will happen. I think the main thing, the fact that the Comers are involved is good, but ultimately they do have the finance to get the job done. Whereas in other projects that have gone on, the way for government finance, the way for FBI finance, whereas on this one, in this one, you know, they, the Comers have been great backers of the club and they're fantastic supporters. So, you know, it certainly looks positive. Um, will I be here, Alan, when it's open? I'm unsure about that. Yeah, you might be. You might be. Once you get them up in the Premier this year, you'd be sound. <laughs> in terms, John, of the immediate situation, I suppose, a bit disappointing last weekend. Uh, I keep seeming to be asking negative questions. I don't mean that. But uh, disappointment, the way the game fe- uh, didn't happen over the weekend in, in Cabinteely. What can you tell us about the timeline of that and kind of how it affected your preparation? And is it a, an inconvenience or is it just something that happens in this current situation? Look, it's one of those things that happen. I think. The one thing that's happened this year is that before we went back to pre-season training in late January, we had a, a Zoom call, all the managers with Dr. Alan Byrne and Mark Scanlon, and they were warning us the seriousness of going back to pre-season training, of the protocols and the responsibility of all the managers to make sure that all the players you know, were diligent. And then we had another meeting maybe four weeks later and again, because we were in a, a unique position, you know, we're classified as elite sports people. We were allowed to go back training when no one else was allowed to go back training. So it was an incredible place to be and uh, it, it was brilliant for us. And, you know, but it had stated this year that we, you, you needed to register your 19s, that basically, based on what had happened last year, that this year the rules were going to be quite clear that if in field uh, have 14 players available to field, it fought for the game and I know from experience last year you know when, when, when you get tested and it's whether you're negative you're still ruled out by 14 days so it effectively could could affect not only one game but two games so it's 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 probably the one area that I'm extremely nervous about because you know I've been on record saying you can train and you might have a guy injured or suspended but the COVID could get into your camp and could rule out half your team or most of your team and that is the fear. So you're just 
as a club, we're very diligent with two COVID officers, really strong people, and we're always testing every week. We're trying to do things right, we're trying to make sure the lads follow the procedures. So we went to Cavantili last week. We travel up with two buses as part of the protocols now. If you split up your, you know, you can have no more than 15 in a bus. So it's two buses expense. Obviously, we had heard there was rumors of issues of cases within within the, within the camp. But the fact when we left at half one on, on Friday and the game hadn't had any call off, I had assumed the game would go ahead and that obviously, you know, that, you know, while there were strong rumors that you assume everyone's going to feel. So at half five after our team meeting, um, just before we left the hotel to travel to Cab to Cab to Cabin Tealy. Um, we were only 10 minutes away. We got a call saying the game was on. So it's hard to imagine how it was left to go so late. It was hard to imagine that if the rumors were that strong from the day before, you know, that, that we weren't informed. It happened and we just sat in our, we just sat back into the bus. The lads went back to um, to Galway. We trained Saturday morning. I went down to Limerick to see Limerick and um, we trained Saturday morning. So what you do, lads, it's just one of those things. But, um, you know, I suppose we, we just have to see what's, what's going to happen because COVID going into a club is, is serious and um, it's certainly something that I'm always wary of at the moment, you know. Uh, John, one more uh, question for me anyway. You probably would have raised a few eyebrows with the appointment of Lisa Fallon. I think, would she have been the first? Is she, she's your assistant, yeah? Yeah, Lisa's the, Lisa's the head coach, yeah. Yeah, the head coach. So, I, I, I think is she the first in 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 the the League of Ireland to have been appointed. I'm not. I stand to be corrected, but um, you raise a few eyebrows. But no, Lisa worked under Michael O'Neill, didn't she? And she she worked yeah. over in in England. Um, yeah, yeah. How did that? You, you would have worked with her at Cork, would you? Or yeah, I suppose the the, the, mo the most important thing is is that yes, I know a lot is made because she's a female and she's the first woman. But like, she has been, uh, like she hasn't just come in the door yesterday, you know, she, she has been going back to 2010, working with Michael O'Neill and Shamrock Rovers as opposition analysis, then was with him as part of his Northern Ireland team. I came across her, she moved to Cork, lived in Cork for, for a number of years, and I came across her, she, and she became involved in non-league the universities actually irish universities i was manager at one stage and she did a bit of scouting for me and then when i was manager coxie she became part of my management team mainly opposition analysis and but she's also done work with jim gavin in dublin and then obviously she went away the last couple of years and was involved with chelsea women's team and you know and she went in there as a coach and certainly when i met her um last October when she was home, you know, she had she had sort of expanded her her knowledge, her coaching ability. And like us all, we're always learning, we're always trying to get better and improve. So um I've no hesitation about bringing her into Galway because I know what her work ethic, I know how, how good how good um she prepares things, she does stuff. It was just having the confidence within herself, could she coach uh, in, in men's football because it is a challenge they're under pressure um, people are looking in from the outside they they find it strange but I'd have to say that 
you have to ask the players, but I think the players think she's she's superb. And I see her in, in training every day, and um, you know, really good coach. Um, attention to detail is phenomenal, and um, she's there because I think she's good. If I didn't think she was good, she wouldn't be there. And I've worked with a lot of good people. I brought in a lot of good people around me in different places, and um, she's as good as anyone. And um, you know, um, I know there's a lot of scrutiny on, on her because she's female, but other than the fact that she's female, from, from watching her doing training sessions and the way she prepares and the way she delivers on the pitch, she, you can see that she has a lot of qualities. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for on today's chat, John. I suppose we better acknowledge the time of day we've been recording this because I think we started and you were in, in daylight. And now as we're talking to you, it's, we can barely make out your face. No light on in the, in the background behind you there. What's it like being back in the right side of the Shannon anyway? Um, obviously born up this neck of the woods, educated up here before your migration south. Um, glad to be back around home. Well, look at that. I look at unfortunate lads. My parents are alive. They still live in Roscommon. There's a great chance to get over to them every week. And um, their health is still touch with quite good, even though they're elderly. Um, you know, but my own family, my wife and my kids, they're in West Cork. Um, and that's where I've the last 35 years. That's where I live. So I have two homes, if you like. But, um, you know, it's great to get over to see my parents, you know, because obviously from Cork, I wouldn't get up. You know, I might get up maybe once a month, whereas now I'm going over once a week, if not twice a week at times, which is great, because I'm, I'm over in 40 minutes. But, um, you know, but I, I suppose, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I suppose with my, my West Cork, that's probably where you know, my, my own family are, and that's where I go, I go down every weekend, you know. Absolutely. Well, listen, John. Well, 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 that's always great. Enjoy me, it's great, even though there's no restaurants or no pubs and no hotels. It's still a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, Listen, and great, John, great, great people come from there too. <laughs> you'd have to get that one in, Alan. And um, listen, John, it's an absolute pleasure to uh, to chat to you. And uh, the best of luck for the, what's left of the season. All twenty five games of it uh, left from your point of view. Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting to you again in the future. Thanks very much for joining us. Great, lads. Thanks very much. John Caulfield there, obviously hugely experienced win the league as a player and as a coach, and now part of a reviving Galway United challenge in the first division this year. I suppose for anyone watching the show on YouTube, um, you might have noticed that it just got progressively darker and darker and darker because of dusk falling as we're recording this on Monday evening. Um, we just didn't want to interrupt John and ask him to put a light on. So, uh, yeah, a little bit darker there. You're nice and bright over there in Sligo, Alan. The electricity, you've paid the bill this week, have you? Yeah, no, so I was saying there's, there's a time difference in Galway, right? They're an hour ahead. Something like that. I think yeah. we just put the, we, we kind I, of had the light on. We've I, done this I, once or twice before. I'll have to ask John if they paying his bills down in Galway uh, and get a word with him, you know. <laughs> I know, yeah, it was great to chat to John there and, and John Gale before that, like uh, two, as I said, two very, very experienced managers and successful managers within the league. And it's uh, it's great knowing, hearing all the insights into them and the, the running of their clubs. And best of luck to both of them. Um, best of luck to John and whatever he does and John Coffey at Galway. Yeah, no, uh, interesting to hear John Gale in particular talk about kind of his disillusionment nearly with the system and, and the, the lack of an industry and the, the fact that you can't rely on it for work. Um, and he spoke about that, about how he has been, had to go back into a different job. And it's, it's almost, as he mentioned himself, it's almost caused the divorce. And I know part of that is in jest, but it does have an effect in people's home lives and people's real world lives. Uh, and we've had that on the show 
for a lot of people where it's just not a financial reality that they can't work in this league because of the unsustainability of it. Yeah, and I totally agree with him. I, I was doing my badges and I felt disillusioned with it like, because there's no there's no security there. And so until I had the kids that I realised, hang on a minute, this is not going to, this is not going to work like. And I think John Caulfield uh, um, touched on it as well, what, what what could be done and what should be done to, to try and have a, 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 a proper, proper full-time league and a proper, proper setup. We've been talking about it for years, but until it's something sorted, um, it's just going to be always the same. Nine-month contracts for players and managers. You know, and you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't keep going that way. Yeah, no, but it, I believe it's a chicken and egg situation of some sorts because while clubs continue to pour money into first-team budgets, playing budgets, um, on ever-increasing wages, I think a sustainable model needs to be adopted rather than maybe just trying to get the best name every single season. I think it, it needs to be a league a league agreement and a, maybe a collective bargaining agreement to the PFA. I know they've, we've talked about it on the show before as well. And I know Alan Cawley and uh, Stuart Byrne had a, a lot to say on it on Cawley's call last week. I listened to it in full and I thought it was really, really good. Some of the co- topics that came up in the conversation with uh, Harry McHugh and the new um, underage director there at Shells as well were, were huge contributors to that conversation. I think um, there needs to be a more of a conversation about governance and about all that sort of stuff. It's not sexy. Nobody really wants to talk about it, but it's we are failing on it across the board in virtually every club in the league. And until clubs get their act together, I don't think anything's going to change because the FAI aren't going to pour money into it uh, while there's still a sieve at the bottom. And we need to sort that out, sort out that mess and make sure that the money that's been going in has been spent in the right areas. And I don't know if that's the case at the moment across the board with every single club. Anyway, let's get away from that from that conversation. We have to wrap up the show. A couple of games this weekend, of course. Full set of fixtures in the Premier Division and the First Division. There's also the small matter of the Derry City versus Shamrock Rovers game that kicks off tonight as people are listening to this uh, tomorrow as we're recording it. Derry versus Shamrock Rovers. It's a big, big tie Derry need to get a result in this game, or it could be a big gap that starts to open up at the bottom of that Premier Division. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I can't see Derry get mounted from the game. I think, um, I think Shams a win. Um, it's, it's it just, you just feel sorry for Derry. It's such a good, good club. Just again, it just shows how much confidence, confidence is when you start the season. We we seen it down in uh, Sligo Rovers last year, until the pandemic hit, they, they could have got relegated. That's how when you're down there and as a player, when results aren't going your way, you struggle. But all I can see is Shamrock Rovers win. Yeah, and then uh, little games over the weekend, Friday evening, uh, Waterford Bowes, Derry City, Drogheda. Again, it's a big week for Derek or Declan Devine. He's going to need to take points from either of those two games. Any chance of taking them from Drogheda because they've been impressive as well this season. They've been very. They, they've been impressive. Um, again, like I said, it depends. Who knows? I, as I said, I fancy Shams, but if they did nick a draw, you know, you're going into a, a draw of the game with a bit of confidence. If you get tanked four or five nil, well, then it's a different. You know, it's a different uh, mindset going into the game. But I think you know that will be the game. Probably Declan will look to to maybe uh, revive and kickstart their season. He'll see it as an opportunity of. Maybe they're newcomers. We have a chance to 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 get up and running here. So um, possibly I go for a draw on that one. 
Waterford Bowes at the, at the early game on Friday evening. Uh, Ali Coote, Tyreek Wilson, or Tyreek Wilson, back down to, to Waterford to play in their old stomping ground of last season. Um, Bowes, Waterford, it, it's been a fairly rough start for Keith Long this year. Waterford have flattered to deceive at times. Yeah, they have, and they, like they've surprised me in fairness. But they, as as we as we touched on, they they'll hang in the game. They'll do that, but they get beaten. That the inexperience just cost them. And I think Bowes are starting to find. I was impressed with Bowes the last night um, against Dundalk. They don't. They played well. Um, they just need to get. They're just kicking into their groove. And I think I think you'll see a Bowes win down there. Yeah, now three games on Saturday evening as we're getting used to now. Six o'clock kickoffs all. Uh, Shamrock Rovers host Longford Town in Talla. We've already touched on Sligo Rovers and Finn Harps, but for me, the game of the weekend, Dundalk and Pats, I think that's going to be an absolute humdinger. Pats, as um, was alluded to earlier in the conversation with John Gill, I think Pats have been the side that have impressed me most this year. And if anyone's going to challenge uh, Shamrock Rovers, albeit at this early stage, I think Pats are going to be the side that are going to put up that battle this season. Uh, they travel to Dundalk. It, it's it's kind of win or bust at the moment for for Dundalk as well in terms of of where they've been to this season because expectations are so high. They have one point from four. That's not going to be good enough for a peak six. No, it's not. And uh, Pats are flying at the minute, but I'm actually going for a Dundalk win here. Um, I think they've had. The, the, I've seen Andy Boyle. He's had a he's he's had an article today in the paper. And he says, look at these. The, us senior players need to roll our stays up and get at it and I think they're hurting so bad and when you're in that dressing room you're used to success and now you're you're, you're on the other end of the table I think Dundalk um, I think Dundalk will beat Pats I just think they'll up their game uh, Pats are, are very possession based um, they'll find it difficult against Dundalk I think I think Dundalk will get a home win here the Final fixture of the weekend uh, Rovers and Longford uh, thoughts on that Longford struggling Last yeah, uh, Longford. Look at don't get me wrong. Longford went to Bowes. They've done. They've done really well. Uh, came back to them, but I just think Shamrock Rovers at home. I think uh, you know. Uh, I wonder how much can Longford keep it at is what I'm going for. I think maybe it could be a three four nil win for Shamrock Rovers comfortably at home. Uh, in a word that I'm going to run through next Tuesday night's games because um, you're not going to be with us next week. It'll be Dean Zambra we're chatting to uh, Longford or Drogheda United Shamrock Rovers. One word. Draw. Pats, Waterford. Pats. Longford Town, Harps. A draw. Derry, Dundalk. Dundalk. And Bowes, Sligo Rovers. Head over heart. Bowes. Oh, you get yourself yeah. in trouble down in the showgrounds. No, uh, yeah, so. First division games all on Friday night, all 7.30. Oh, no, seven, they're not all 7.45 kickoffs, actually. Bray Athlone, 7.30. We might just keep it short again because we're way over time. I think Bray. Cork City Shells, good game? Uh, yeah, uh, draw. UCD, Cabinteely, local derby, South Dublin. Cabinteely. The Western derby, Galway United versus Treaty United. Galway United. And Wexford and Cove. Wexford get their first points? No, Cove. Excellent. Alan, that's, we're way over time, but I think the quality of the guests today kind of uh, mean we, we we give them a little bit more time than we're used to on the show. We will try and keep it to the hour. We will try and behave ourselves. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great week. Uh, we'll catch up with you all again next week. Cheers, Brefanique.